Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome yet to another version of Bill Roden on sports. Here once again uh, in the desert in Las Vegas. You're right. I'm setting up shop here. And uh, uh, Jamal Murphy back in New York. How's it going? It's going pretty well. A little hectic up in the New York studios. Yeah, why? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep uh, that on the low. Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and here uh, uh, and we have a very special... Well, we had a co-host, I guess it was tri-host, out here in the studio with a, a longtime friend um, and wonderful professor, the wonderful L- Linda Cheryl Green, who is with me to my right. Linda Cheryl Green, hello. Hello, hello. What a pleasure to be on this fabulous show. Yeah, it's great, great radio. We have two people with great radio voices. <laughs> uh, just just briefly, uh, Linda is the... Evu Baskin Professor. She, Linda is the Evu Baskin Professor of Law at the University of Wisconsin Madison. For all those people who from Xavier who just had their heart broken, right? That's probably the last thing, last thing they yeah, want to hear they, is that. But they turned it hey, off. They, yeah, you're right. Uh, but anyway, she um, has been. Uh, how long have you been at the University of Wisconsin? Ah, uh, 24 years. Wow, 24 years, and um, she. she She'll t- but she was on the uh, the athletic board for at least five years at the University of Wisconsin. Yes. So she's very fluent <laughs> in University of Wisconsin. Um, but anyway, uh, welcome to the show. And, and you were telling me before that uh, you know you're, you're an attorney, of course, Jamal's attorney, but you go way back with his well, dad. Well, we were young lawyers together in New York at the Legal Defense Fund, the law firm that Thurgood Marshall headed and responsible for many of the important racial changes in the United States. And uh, Clyde Murphy was a great colleague and a friend. And so it's very, very special to uh, listen to Jamal. I'm a big fan of the show, but even more special to be on the show with him. So thank you for the opportunity, Bill and Jamal. And, and thank you for that uh, that note right there. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, wow. That's it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> but um, the other great thing about Linda, she's in Las Vegas, here in Las Vegas. She's at a conference, and she's actually delivering a, uh, a talk uh, tomorrow, right? What's, what's the talk? Yes, about? this conference is for university general councils, and the subject I'll be speaking on is the upcoming decision of the Supreme Court in Fisher versus Texas involving the constitutionality of race-conscious admissions in higher education. I'll be talking about the decision, talking about the possible outcome, talking about the effect of Justice Scalia's death on the outcome, and giving some guidance to university lawyers who want to prepare for it and to continue, hopefully, the commitment to the diversification of higher education in America. Mm. Well, you're so interested. I mean, of course, this has nothing to do with what we're going to really talk about. But th- those people are so concerned about, and it's so funny you mentioned it in March Madness, that they're concerned about, about diversity, except when they look at the University of Texas football team exactly. or the basketball team, which are like all black. Nobody's complaining exactly. right. about having too many black folks on the court 
you know, when, for the football and basketball team. Right. Well, we were just saying earlier, if you uh, were to put a price on diversity in higher education, and we're talking racial diversity in higher education, and assign some of these recruiters who recruit for the top teams to go out and find the best people, we have no doubt uh, that there would be more uh, minorities on the campus, not simply minorities on the courts or black on folks. the playing fields. More black folks, if exactly. You put, if you put, we're saying, if you put John Calipari there it is. in charge of diversity, <laughs> man, <laughs> Kentucky would be like like Howard. And give a bonus, of course, yeah. if they're successful. Yes. Right. If you put a price tag on a man, they'd be getting brothers from places you didn't even hear of. And, right, and good students, too. <laughs> exactly. Oh, if you put a price to it, if you put these guys, Patino, Calipari, all these guys, man. Yes, they, they know where to find. They know where to find. <laughs> right. You'd be bringing some cats like Mars. Well, how'd you get them from <laughs> Well, they, and they're watching these kids from the time they're seven and eight years old. Right. As soon as they get into AAU basketball, as soon as they get into Pop Warner football, um, even though officially, of course, there shouldn't be any contact and there shouldn't be any scouting, it's already happening. I mean, it happens at any rate. We were just talking about that beforehand, yeah, but, but no, I no, turn it back. It, I mean, to... it, it does fade somewhat into when you look at March Madness, and you you could go into any team, whether it's uh, you know North Carolina, Indiana. Any of those teams, any brothers North there, Dakota. North, <laughs> how do you get five brothers in North Dakota? You know. Fargo. Yeah. There's, there's a will right. way. Yeah, so anyway. So, Jamal. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, what do you think? You know, we'll, we'll just spend, by the time people listen to this, they've already, many of them have already torn up their brackets. But what's your impression of the first uh, first couple rounds? I mean, it was a great round. Uh, for, you know, a lot of people were out there saying that this was the best first two rounds that they, they can never remember in the NCAA tournament. Of course, that has to do a lot with the amount of upsets that occurred, and there were some big ones. Michigan State went down to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Seton Hall, my team, I think I had them in the Final Four. Mm. I, I hate to admit it, but <laughs> I did. You had Seton Hall I mean, I needed, in the Final I needed, Four? I needed one team, you know, Your Cinderella? And Your Cinderella? That was my Cinderella. But, well, I had but, Hampton. But luckily— Michigan State law, so it didn't hurt me anywhere. Everybody else had Michigan State, so it was perfect. Yeah, there's a lot of people getting killed. But, you know, but here's the thing, though. Don't we do this every year? We say it's a great first round. But invariably, yes, the first round's a great day, and you've got – I was out west in Denver. Right. So you had um, uh, Little Rock. Right. And I'm like, I've been doing this for years. So you could, you could almost write this. You know, <laughs> the guy's king for a day. You know, the guy who has to – Fall back in for three points, and then he's on CBS and his birthday, and he's in cake and ice cream, you know. And that's what Sonny Boy Williams called fattening frogs for the snakes. Cause, <laughs> cause Think very, of Yale, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Yale won. I I gotta tell you, now I know I know I know your dad went to to Yale, uh, Jamal, but right. I have a hard time making any Ivy League team the underdog. I mean, I, it just it just we're it's, not it's we're a, not talking me, about life. We're talking about on the court. Even there, if, if if Yale and Harvard, if they wanted to get good in basketball, they would. Right. If Harvard, remember, we talked the same thing with, when Ryan Fitzpatrick. Exactly. Oh, I said, listen, if Harvard wanted to turn out quarterbacks, they would. They turned out, okay. Rocket scientists. Black president. Okay, you know what? Black pre- Okay, let's get the first black president. So well, There's only one, you know. Let's not go crazy with the black president. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, he digresses. Right, right. So, but, it, but um, so that's the first. No, round. I hear now you. I hear you. So, so basically, 
you know, and it's, you've been saying this all along that, yeah, we get these great upsets in the first round. Um, you know, there's the the Stephen F. Austins, the Middle Tennessee States, Yale, Arkansas, Little Rock, Hawaii won, you and I. But where were they? What happened in the second round? Oh, for the man, most let's, part. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Which one? So you have, um, you know, okay. So Syracuse, Middle Tennessee, right? Turned the game off at halftime. Yeah, blowout. Syracuse got it. Right now, now Gonzaga. Now we we get it. now Gonzaga made 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 Utah look like schoolboys, right? Right. But see again, Gonzaga and Syracuse are interesting because they really are not low seed teams. I mean, right. You know, Syracuse is really not a 10th seed. Right, and Gonzaga, you know, both teams are used to being here in the Sweet 16, but not under these circumstances. Usually they're expected to be here. This this for, this season they they snuck in the tournament, and they're still where, they're, where they usually are. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. Uh, Iowa State, Little Rock, well, game over in the, in the first half. Over. Hawaii, you know, Hawaii, Maryland, over. Game's over. And you and I, and remember, uh, Northern Iowa, they looked like they were going to make it to the Sweet 16, but they had one of the the worst collapses anybody's ever seen. They were they were oh. up 12 or 13 points with about 33 seconds to go. <laughs> how do you how, how do you lose that? Now I haven't That's read impossible. the wires. So they not only did he fire the guy. I mean, maybe he's out here somewhere in the desert. Yeah, no, no, no. He he's actually a good coach. I mean, he you know he's but, he's Jamal, brought him here before. Do you, I don't know. You know, I guess it happens I, to anybody. Well, really. <laughs> Almost it, it wouldn't be historic if it happened to everybody. No, I mean, any right? any coach, you know, <laughs> collapses happen. But th- but this was epic. <laughs> Thirty three <laughs> seconds. I mean, I, I, we should try to get him on the line. But anyway, no, not yeah, yeah, not this week. So, so <laughs> he's busy. So anyway, but I, I guess the point we're making is that at a certain point, Linda, you're in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. right? At at a certain point, <laughs> Wisconsin, Indiana. Yeah, at a certain point, but look. At a certain point, the money that these it, 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 it but by the time you get out of the second round into the Sweet Sixteen, it's who what look at it North Carolina right yes North Carolina uh, ACC Indiana Big Ten right. Notre Dame ACC Wisconsin uh, Big Ten Virginia ACC Iowa State Big Twelve <laughs> you know you know now Gonzaga is an outlier. Uh, Although Pat, when we have this national, when we have this national basketball <laughs> conference, Gonzaga will be alive. But you know, Syracuse, ACC, Oklahoma, Big Twelve, uh, Duke, ACC, Oregon. I think you're just I mean, saying. I think you're saying money talks. Yeah, I mean, you know, really. <laughs> yeah, so, money talks. Money talks. It's depth. It's experience. Uh, you were talking about depth on the bench. I mean, all of these things and a tradition of winning that helps as well. Yeah, and uh, and also yeah. and also to some extent, uh, rigging the system uh, to help mm, you know to keep right. helping the the major teams. You know, we t- we talked about last week the whole fifth year senior deal mm. where you have you know kids you know usually coming from mid major programs uh, they have a year of el- eligibility left uh, and now now they're allowing them to transfer to wherever they want as long as they can find like a master's program. Or some, mm-hmm. you know, right. some sort of graduate school program that they want to enroll in that that their school, their current school, doesn't have that another school has. So they make it this act. They 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 put this ap- academic premise, you know, there. You know, and we don't know if that's real or not. To, well, you, you know, know, it's not real. I, I, I guess we do know. 
I'm, you know, I tried. Remember, I tried to be politically correct there. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you're a Bill Roden on sports. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but you don't know, remember Jamal and, and Linda. I'd love to hear what you have to say about since you were you were at uh, Wisconsin, which. But this here, here's the thing: all these schools, like Duke, all these schools hide behind the reputation of the school, but they're all swimming in the same shark-infested waters. In other words, you're not at Duke. Oh, Duke, but yeah, but the kids you're bringing in are the same kids they bring in at Texas A&M. Because you, you cannot compete. Everybody's got, but you're, but you're using the reputation of the school as a facade. Right. As, oh, we're at the University of Miami. or we, you, you, Yeah, but to compete with UNLV. <laughs> you remember back in the day? Sure. You're not competing with shark, them. The shark. You know, so. <laughs> right, and, and, you know, especially when you talk about one and dones. I mean, those are, that's not really, you're not really bringing in, bringing in a student. Uh, you right. know, the, the, right. that so-called, you know, that, that's a basketball player you're bringing in to, you know, just to be on campus for a semester or two. Like like the kid at LSU. Right. Now, this guy's going to school for, 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 for basically two months. Right. Right. Which is okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not holier than now. But it's 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 again LSU. You, you know that's not the regular student, right? You know, I mean, so but so so, um, Rex Walters. I, I, but Jamal, you brought up this idea, which I think we really got to get into because that's the new thing, right? Uh, uh, this whole idea, uh, and Rex Walters, who was the um, well, when he talked to me at the um, West Coast Conference tournament. He was a head coach of of San Francisco. They fired him two days after we talked. Right. Why? Because he had just lost during the tournament, and he had just watched his kid who played for Arizona. He had coached this kid, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, uh, the kid played for San Francisco. He he was this gangly six seven uh, uh, kid who nobody recruited. Nobody recruited this kid. But except San Francisco, they took a chance on him. Red shirted his first year, got a little first, you know, first year playing got a little better, second a little better. By the time he, he was his third year of eligibility, this kid had become very good. Mm-hmm. He had like you nurse him back to health, mm-hmm. nurse him back to health. And then what happens? Fair he, game for the pickoff. That's right. <laughs> exactly. What, what what happens? He becomes good, and now he says, "Coach, I've got one year of eligibility left," and Rex is waiting for him to say, and I'm going to spend it with you. No. He becomes a free agent. And he says, I'm leaving. And so now he says the first day when it became clear to all the schools that he's going to leave, he got 23 calls. Right. Right? Well, we talk so much about the some of the uh, quote-unquote student athletes as victims. Um, in some sense, uh, is it possible to celebrate their opportunity to improve their position, to possibly play at a better school, and to possibly make the leap uh, to the professional leagues. Yeah, there, yeah there's no question. And I, I don't, you know, I have nothing against the player uh, wanting to do that. It makes perfect sense. You, you know, you grow up wanting to play at the highest level right. you possibly can. So right. no matter when you get, when, you know, you turn into a, a good enough player to do that, you know, I understand. You wanna you wanna take that next next step. You wanna play in front of twenty thousand people a night. You wanna play against right. the best competition. So I get it. But of course, you know, the coach or the you know, the coach that of that mid major team is not going to appreciate it. And you know, I talked to to uh 
Well, he's just worried about his job. Right. Not just, but certainly worried about his job, about the investment his program has made. And, uh, of course, uh, understands that at the end of the day, it will be about the WL record as far as his future is concerned. Of so of course. I'm sure they're concerned about the kids, but at bonus time, it does matter whether that kid stays that kid stays put. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, and there's no question the coach, the coach is, is worried about his position and whatever position he's in. If you're if you're a coach at a mid major program, you're not going to like this. If you're a coach at a major program and you can coach <laughs> these kids, then you probably you probably feel a little better about the the current rule. But you know, I talk I talked to uh, to John Beeline, the coach of Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. In Brooklyn, uh, they had lost. They lost in the first round to Notre Dame. But I asked him about this this particular question because he's actually coached at all different levels. He's been a D three. He was great. He did a great job at a D three school. Won a D three championship. I think he even has a D two championship. He's been at a mid major program, and now he's he's where everybody wants to be in the Big Ten at Michigan. But I talked to him and asked him what he thought about this whole fifth year senior deal. Jamal Murphy, Bill Roden on sports. I was more of a general question. Uh, one of the big themes recently in college basketball is, are the graduate uh, senior transfers, yeah. kind of like almost like a free agent yeah. type of deal. I was wondering your thoughts on that. Do you think it's good for the game, bad for the game? Yeah, I think we're in a dangerous area there where you have the uh, the graduate transfer and then where he can go afterwards and things like that. Like we actually have one in our league. Uh, that Those are difficult things, I think, that we got to look at in the future and and what is the real purpose of that? Uh, is, it, is that young man going there just to play basketball? Is he going there to get his master's degree? How many are getting their master's degrees? I mean, there, there's got to be some legit, legitimacy to that rather than just another year of eligibility. And uh, so uh, uh, the mid-majors that are getting to having their best players taken from them. You remember, a guy read, there's a reason the guy has a fifth year, that somewhere during that year he was injured, he had doctors, he had trainers, he had people looking after him at his home school, and now he's going to take everything they did to another school, right? That's not necessarily fair to anybody, all right? So, it, or fair to the home school that did all that work, uh, the coaches that work with them. So I think that it's, it, we gotta be very careful in this area. I trust the NCAA is looking at it closely, and hopefully uh, we'll continue to make the right strides to make it a, a, a situation that really, uh, it, fits everyone much better well yeah i mean you know jamal that's 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 you know interesting but now and we were talking about this the other day you know now you've got fifth year coaches right <laughs> in other words you have you have mid-major coaches who cry the blues but you know you know they talk about how these big schools can lavish money uh on the kid but now right we've had an instance of stephen f austin right right this guy what what happened? I think you were out there, right? He's yeah, he, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me what. what yeah, he was a, he was in in the East also. He was out there in Brooklyn. Uh, they actually upset West Virginia in the first round. Brad Underwood is the coach of uh, Stephen F. Austin, mm-hmm. and you know he after the game against West Virginia he was obviously in a great mood and talking about how you know his the mid major coach is actually in a better position now than mo- than a lot of major coaches, and but within. Two days, two or three days later, he decides to take uh, the Oklahoma State job. So that was interesting. So let's hear what he had to say pre-taking the uh, Oklahoma State job. 
I was a longtime assistant at Western Illinois. We didn't have players like Thomas Walkup. And um, I, he was the best player on the court tonight. I don't know if he's what that translates to in, in, in the beyond. Tonight he was the best player on the court. And uh, when you get seniors and you get a, a group that, that works, I mean, this young man wasn't recruited out of high school. I mean, Division II schools recruited. He comes to Stephen F. Austin, uh, goes 19 to 20 from the free throw line, and as a freshman, was a 50-some percent free throw shooter. I mean, he's a self-made student athlete. He's everything that's good about college sports. And, and, and yet, uh, we're able to get better players and, and, and keep them for, for their career, right? you know, and, 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 and have seniors. And so there's a maturity. One of the biggest discrepancies in college sports, the difference between an 18-year-old freshman and a 22-year-old senior. Uh, the maturity level's uh, drastically different. We're one point away from the Sweet 16. And one, one defensive rebounder, one basket, one possession, however you'd like to look at it. And uh, uh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, beating VCU two years ago, uh, had our opportunities last year against Utah. I, the name doesn't mean anything. Stephen F. Austin is here to stay. And, and uh, we've got good players, and, and, and uh, uh, the job that these guys have done establishing a culture has made it very special. Yeah, so I guess uh, that sentiment didn't last too long for him. Yeah, and, I mean, it, but that's the ultimate hypocrisy. This guy says all that, and we're like, yeah, go right on, brother. Two days later, this guy's at Oklahoma State. <laughs> oh, right, but you can understand that too, right, because of the paycheck. We, we said it all comes down to the money. Uh, you know, right. you, I'm trying to make that money also. Right, but, but you know – but that, I guess that's do as I do as I say, not as I do. Right, always. And, and you, you're right. But you're right. We can't blame him. Right. In a way, but you know, don't as my my college coach used to say, don't try to sell me the pumpkin because I brought us to town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's that's <laughs> the saying right there. Right, right, right. Hey, listen. Uh, uh, coming up next, Jamal's going to look at the Philadelphia region. I'm going to be out of Chicago. And there's a lot of great basketball. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. We're back. Bill Roden on Sports. Great Jamal Murphy, the wonderful Linda Cheryl Green. Great to be here. Yes, great. You're still here. You haven't, she hasn't cut out yet. <laughs> well, I guess I gave you a rise. Well, so. you know, Wisconsin's <laughs> in the Sweet 16. She's happy. Oh, that's right. Hey. Yeah. Are you? Are you really, Linda? Are you really happy that Wisconsin's in? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We've had a seamless coaching transition, right. and all is oh, well so far. We so you had to bring this. I was going to ignore the coaching transition. Greg Gard deserved a shot, and that's what he has, and he's done fabulously. No question about that. I mean, the, you know, he picked up right where uh, Bo Ryan left off. They've, Bo Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> so much for the wholesome. See, I, I, I told Linda, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I mean, you're an attorney. And she said, I'm a lawyer. You ain't, I'm not going to let you put me on the spot. Right. <laughs> well, two lawyers. <laughs> I got your back. Another show. <laughs> Is it a promise? It is. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, all's well that is well. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, though. I mean, like, 
it just shows how we in the media. I mean, it's no secret about why he left. I mean, right? I mean, it's no secret about the whole affair thing, right? I mean, it's been reported. So, right? Yeah. Silence on the other end. Maybe, maybe so, you should report but, it a little more. I don't, you know. Well, I mean, the story is that, you know, uh, Bo Ryan quit in the middle of somewhat suddenly, although he announced that this was going to be his last season uh, as coach. Right. But he's, for some reason, he said, well, why not just end it now <laughs> in the middle of the season? So he left. Then it comes, lo and finds out that, you know, they had been investigating a long time. He'd had this affair that kind of turned ugly, and it was kind of ugly. And, you know, I, I guess to me it, it just shows, and I've been covering this stuff a long time ago, you never, you don't know these people. I've been, I'm in the locker room with somebody for 10 minutes. And but sometimes what people do will use that 10 minutes to, to extrapolate. Oh, so-and-so is just this whatever, great whatever, and family man, and blah, 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 and this and that. Then lo and behold, you find out that, you know, having these relationships and all that. And I'm not here to make a value judgment on that because we all have to live our lives. But sometimes what we do in the, in the, in the media is just create such bullshit based on stuff that we really don't know anything about. And a lot of times it gets back into racism because invariably these are kind of like white men and you kind of say, oh, there's virtue with this and that. Then you find out that this kind of stuff happens. So I don't really want to belabor that point. Because <laughs> of an upbeat story, and and you know, Linda, you know I love you, right. you know. So, so we're not gonna get into that. But any, anyway, okay. So now, who does Wisconsin? Well, who does Wisconsin? Who does, go ahead. Yeah, Wisconsin. Well, you know, I'll be there for that. They're in Philly. They play. They're playing Notre Dame, and like I said, I mean, on the court, uh, guard has basically uh, you know take picked up where Bo Ryan left off, and Wisconsin, believe it or not, is is, no it, coach is in there. By the way, you know. Fifth Sweet 16 in the last six years, Wisconsin. That's, you know, I was surprised to hear that. And, you know, I follow this stuff closely. So it's very surprising. And, and this year they weren't supposed to be um, in this situation. So they still end, they still find a way to get here. They play Notre Dame uh, Friday night. And I think Wisconsin has one more win in them. You know, I think they could, I think they should and, and can, can and should beat Notre Dame. And then in the other game, it's North Carolina and Indiana. That's just a blue blood traditional, uh, you know, power battle. And I like North Carolina. I actually like North Carolina to come out of the East. Uh, period. So they, to do that, they've got to. Well, oh well, that's a great game. You, that's your region, right? North Carolina, Indiana. Yeah, North Carolina, Indiana. Whew, that's that's great. And then Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Right. Hey, right. The Big wow. Ten. Wow. So who are you? Who are you? Uh, again, by the time you know when people when people you know look at this. You know, when they want to go through some of the great Bill Roden on sports episodes and they look at this March Madness stuff and they'll look at, you know, who you pick. Right. What, what you know, let's tell them. Tell the people who, look, who are going to look at this six months from now who are you picking and why you pick them well, I got, in your region. In, that, in, my, in this region, I got North Carolina. I just feel like they're the, they have the most talent, definitely the most offensive talent. They've looked very good. They killed Providence, who's not a bad team. Providence is a solid team, but. North Carolina just had too much for them. I think they'll have too much for Indiana. Indiana will try to run with North Carolina. That's the last thing you want to do. Um, Indiana just doesn't have enough horses to do that with North Carolina. Then, then I, like I said, I think Wisconsin will get will beat Notre Dame, and I just I definitely don't feel like Wisconsin has enough to beat uh, North Carolina if North Carolina even plays close to their to their A game. 
So I like North Carolina coming out. And I had North, I actually had North Carolina winning the whole thing uh, in my original bracket. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay. And uh, I'm going to be out in Chicago, my hometown, by the way. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and I'll be going back. Um, you know, Virginia, I was, I, you know, who, you know, um, I go by the name on the front, not the back. So Virginia, um, the game I'm intrigued, not so much the game between Gonzaga and Syracuse. I'm just intrigued by these two programs. I mean, it's, it, again, it's Gonzaga. It's, 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 I think that what Gonzaga has done year in year out is really phenomenal to Mark Few, and it's it's being there every day. I mean, it gets mm-hmm. it gets to the point where although they're a mid major, they're really not. Right. I mean, they're sort of a major program in waiting which gets back to something that we'll talk about a little later that Mark Few actually suggested. But um, really, and then, of course, Syracuse. I still have a hard time getting my mind around the fact that Syracuse is in the ACC. It just, it still does not seem right. Maybe it's because they're, you can't get any further north than you like in, in Canada. Right. <laughs> you know, but it just seems very weird to me that Syracuse is, is – uh, in the ACC, and every time I think of it, I just think of what a great conference that Big East was. I mean, with, with Syracuse, Villanova, Boston College, Georgetown. I mean, just really, really uh, just tremendous. And it's funny, I, I, I was in Denver uh, last weekend, and I asked, um, uh, I asked a couple people, Val Ackerman, uh, and I know, Jamal, you were out with Jay Rod, but I, the question was can the Big East ever come back? I mean, the Big East back in the day. They had nothing. Yeah, they had, I mean, the Big East, you remember back in the day, was they they were chasing all these schools out, Big Ten, Pac-10, you know, with schools like Villanova that didn't play any kind of big-time football, Georgetown, St. John, Providence. These schools were going to the championship game, going to the Final Four. I mean, Mm -hmm. they had it rolling. Kids were not going to places like Alabama. Because remember, back then, in the South, people in the Big East looked at the South with basketball like Cowtown. Right. Like like guys with like black socks and high tops. You know, now I think what happened, though, is that a lot of the Big Ten, those big conferences got pissed off because they said, wait a minute, we're spending multi-millions of dollars on our athletic programs. You guys just have a basketball program, and you're going to the Final Four every year. Right. So what they start doing, they start getting serious about this. You know what? With all this money, we're going to start uh, paying millions of dollars for coaching salaries. We're going to give them the charter planes. We're going to make it so that they can recruit all over the country, go anytime they want. We're going to build these pro-style facilities. And and so that's what happened. So the question was that I had was, what can the Big East come back? And I asked Val Ackerman this. Val Ackerman is the um, commissioner of the Big East. And I asked her, could the Big East come back? And this is what she said. The answer is yes. Um, you know, the, the vision the vision of the presidents uh, who, who, you know, who orchestrated these moves three years ago, three-plus years ago, was that mm. um, a, a tighter group of schools um, that were basketball-focused mm-hmm. could stay um, respected and relevant nationally. Okay, in this, in this, you know, driven by the sport of basketball, mm-hmm. and you know, and and that's so that's the vision. It was Dave's vision, and that original vision prevails. 
Um, and, you know, here's so, so Val, why? Why do you think that's the case? It's a fair question. So here's why. You know, well, one, um, you know, I, I do think there's, there's, you know, many good players out there. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, the football conferences just simply won't have a lock on all the players. I just don't, right. I don't foresee that. I mean, there, you, you watch these games the last few days, Bill, right? And you see there are great mm-hmm. players all around the country in mm-hmm. conferences big and small. Mm-hmm. So there's more than enough players to go around. Um, you know, I think in the case of the Big East, we have um, continue to have recruiting advantages for the best of the players with, uh, you know, with the nurturing environments of our schools. These are basketball schools. These players are going to be the big men on campus. Right. Okay. The football shadows will not be cast on the basketball players at Big East schools. They hmm. will be. They will be. You know, they will be heroes on campus. Um, they are playing, um, you know, for programs that are providing extraordinary benefits to them. Um, they have excellent coaches, um, and we see how important that, you know, that is in the tournament. Um, they have great facilities and, you know, wonderful home courts. Uh, Big East, I think we're five or six in the country in attendance. Um, you know, we have games, you know, top end that are routinely selling out, so they know they'll play in front of robust crowds. We have every game on television. Every Big East men's basketball game is on television. No other conference can say that. Mm-hmm. So we have the exposure that no other conference has, including on broadcast television. We had more exposures this year on Fox and CBS than any other conference would have on a broadcast network. And, you know, we, you know, I think our guys are ready going into the tournament. They should be because our conference schedule is so, you know, vigorous with the home and home. So, you know, I think we're in a great position, again, to maintain the original vision of the conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you were out, right, Jamal, you were out in Brooklyn, and, and um, you put the same question out, right? Yeah, you know, I asked Jay Wright, and Jay Wright has been known to, you know, he's been asked this question before. He's He's been vocal, a vocal uh, proponent of the Big East, the past and the future, um, you know. But I asked him basically the same question: uh, Did he think the Big East could ever get back to where it was? And also his root, the root of his pr- Big East pride. Jamal Murphy, Bill Roden on sports. Um, you've mentioned a couple times about you know wanting to represent the Big East, how you felt you let the Big East down as a conference last year. I was wondering, you know, what what's the root of your pride? as far as the biggies goes, and do you feel like uh, the conference as a whole can get back to the glory years? I don't think, uh, I don't think any conference is going to get back to the glory years. Um, I, th- I think the days when the ACC was a, a basketball conference and it was Tobacco Road, they were the glory years. When, when the Big East had Syracuse and UConn, they, they were the glory years, and St. John's and um, I don't think anybody, I think college football has eliminated that. What we have is still really, really special and exciting. And the root of my pride in the Big East is, um, I think in terms, of a basketball, in terms of a basketball conference, we're authentic. Um, I think there are a lot of conferences, now we all know this, there are a lot of conferences that are put together for football, and they are... Um, and they are producing very good basketball conferences um, that were formed f- to be football conferences. And they happen to be good basketball conferences also. 
um, but they're not traditional like we all know. We, have, we are a basketball conference. We're, we're, we're an outlier. We're, we're, we're there um, for, one, for one reason. Just like those football conferences were built for football, we're built for basketball. We take great pride in that. And it's the biggest sport on our campuses. We don't hide behind that, uh, anything but that. And um, it means the most to our alumni. It's in, they're all in metropolitan areas where the game started. Um, and, and we just take great pride in that. And we want to see how good can we be. You know, we're new, we're new, we're growing, we're getting better every year, and we, we want to see how good we can be. That's interesting. Uh, that well, you, what would it ahead. mean to come back? What does it mean to come back? If you look at the list of schools, um, they're a far cry from really any of the other major conferences. So what does it mean to come back? What do you mean when you, when you say... Well, are you talking about a reconfiguration? Are you talking about additional schools? Are you talking about what, it, what does it mean? Well, what, what can the Big East ever be what it was in the 80s and the 90s? With this configuration of teams? Well, with, with the, the current? With the Big East. The teams in the Big East now are what? Uh, Georgetown, right? There they are. Uh, yeah, they're uh, Butler. Creighton. Apples and oranges. DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, yeah, I mean, Providence, yeah, that, Seton that, Hall, that, St. John's. That's basically what, you know, that's basically, you know, like you, like you heard, that's basically what he said. I mean, it's never, yeah, never going to be at the most. what it was, but he feels like it can be one of the best conferences in, in the country. Well, it's interesting. I asked Mark Few this, uh, the head coach at um, uh, Gonzaga, and he came, he, he was very interesting because I just, you know, I was just—I just asked him, you know, what it was for him as a coach out west, watching this Big East during the '80s and '90s, mm -hmm. and he was fascinated by it. But then he took it—he uh, had—he had what I thought was a great idea. Uh, this is what he said. And it's—and it's so marketable. But I actually think the Big East is positioned if they want. If they wanted to expand nationally, man, I think that would be really, really crafty, and, and they could be a national. Just a basketball only. Basketball only. And they'd be the only one. They've had every time zone. Now, I thought that was a phenomenal idea. I don't know what you think, Jamal. I do know what you think, Pat. But uh, I, I thought that was a great idea to have a national conference, a national all basketball only conference uh, that stretches from the East Coast. What few said have a team in every time zone. And and think about it. When Dave Gavitt had the idea back in the 80s, he had the same idea but in a regional thing. He said, well, let's get, because none of those schools, Georgetown, none of them, they were not organized. He said, let's get these schools like Georgetown, Villanova, uh, Boston College. Let's control all those major media markets. These are schools, and all we're going to do is play basketball. And people, you know, St. John's in New York, Seton Hall, and Fordham. I mean, there are a lot of schools that actually might fit that bill. Yeah, well, look, that's what I'm saying. If you look at Gonzaga, you, you, you would have it, because I thought about it. I said, you know what? That's a heck of an idea. You would have a, a West Coast a West Coast division and East Coast. You'd have St. Mary's, schools like St. Mary's, Gonzaga. You'd fill it out. Uh, uh, Creighton is already mm -hmm. out west. And basically, you would have this super conference. You'd have a super conference of these, these tiny schools that say, listen, all we want to do is play basketball. And the, and the appeal to the students, just like at Georgetown, when you come to Georgetown, basketball is going to be, you're not going to have to share it with, like, like at Alabama, if you play basketball, it's kind of like, just like a sport to take up yeah, time. It's over for you. Nobody, yeah. nobody knows. Yeah, you're, you're, 
Right, you're just there. But if you're on, if you're at Villanova and these schools, that's big. So, so what, well, I think the changes, the changes in the Big Five with the Big Five splitting off uh, and having more autonomy. I mean, I think there's a precedent for a more innovative and imaginative way of thinking about college basketball. Right. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Pat, Pat, why don't you like it? I don't know. I don't like it. Maybe I'm a traditionalist, <laughs> Big East, and I, I just think the regional conference works better. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Know. I get that because, you know, deep down, you know, as a person born and raised on the, in the on the East Coast from New York, you love that big East. You know, it's the East against everybody else. But, you know, it's a facade now because, you know, Creighton's in it. Creighton's well, in Nebraska. Uh, DePaul in Chicago is in the Big East. You know, it's just, I mean, you might as well just uh, open it up and, and be real East, about it. You know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what, well, what you would do is that, and I, and I see, uh, Pat, I mean, you're responding as a fan and all that, but I'm talking about the survival, that that you're not going to be able to survive by staying same put. You know, you're you're not. And, and, and the Big East recognized that they just screwed up. They thought they went to football. They tried to get football then. And when you embrace football, you're doomed. You, you basically are, 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 are you're, you're embracing a corruption. And they found that out. Right. They found that out because what happened? Pittsburgh, all those schools, they left because they want they're run by football. And that's, well, and that's yeah. what Mark Mark Few was saying. He said he could never understand why these schools with this great basketball tradition would run off and chase well, football. And they're now realizing they made a they made a mistake. Because isn't the money in football? Well, yeah, because football is an engine. But what Mark is saying is that you can do the same thing. You can have a super basketball conference. Now, the problem is going to be those mid-major conferences who are going to lose St. Mary's, mm-hmm. who are going to lose Gonzaga, at some point you have to say, well, I'm sorry. But, but, but you can have this super conference. And I, I think it's one of the most exciting ideas. That I've heard. And, it, and for, let's trust me. When people listen to this show in five years <laughs> and it happens, it, it's going to take a while to get to that right. because everybody now is just trying to survive. But you're going to look at it and you're going to say, yeah. and, and the fact that Mark Few, he volunteered this. Because clearly he's been thinking about this for a while. Why? Because he's tired of having his great program and having his conference get screwed every year. That, that was well, really the, the most interesting thing question. that he brought it up. Well, I was going to say the most. The bottom line question is: Show me the money. Uh, today, you would have to make the case that there's a bottom line argument for the reconfiguration that uh, that you're proposing. So. Well, yeah. I mean, but you all. How, You've already got the core of schools in the East. You've already got your conference, and, and, and you know, and you've already got. Oh, oh, you're beginning to have a West Coast presence mm-hmm. with with um, Creighton. It's already in Nebraska, uh, Marquette, and DePaul. Marquette's in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. DePaul's in Chicago. Now you're going to add uh, St. Mary's, and because and I think that you're going to have some very unique uh, rivalries, and you're going to have a great. You got television markets, but what's going to happen more importantly? Is that now and over a period of five years you're gonna have, just like nobody thought that Georgetown would be getting Patrick Ewing? Are you kidding me? Nobody thought that that the recruits that the St. John nobody thought that they would be get, they were getting the top high school athletes in the nation. They were beating out the SEC. They were beating out. They were going head to head with the AC. They were killing the Big Ten, you know, because all these kids wanted to play in the Big East and they wanted to play on TV. 
And I think the same thing is going to happen, what, next week? They're going to – I bet you that Gonzaga, this may be the year that Gonzaga – I know fans, I'm sorry I've been saying Gonzaga, Gonzaga. You say tomato, I say tomato. But <laughs> I, I think that Gonzaga is going to make the Final Four this year. And, and that's going to be one of the biggest commercials for this new emerging conference. And trust me, somebody's going to ask him that in the Final Four. If they get to the Final Four – and somebody says, you know, you talk about this national basketball conference, and trust me, all those guys from ACC, because they, trust me, they, they get it. They, when he said that, they're like, oh, my God, you mean a super basketball conference? Which they can't join. Why? Because they're already locked into locked the in. SEC. They're locked into the Big Ten. They're locked in. They can't leave. And, and football is doing what? It's, it's become that yoke around the neck. Because they're spending millions of dollars on these unsustainable football programs. A few were saying, listen, we're just playing basketball. Shorts and sneakers. Shorts and sneakers and hungry brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on that note. Anyway, listen, that's, that's, another sh- that's another topic for another show. Soon, um, soon. But, but, yeah, soon, time to go. But, listen, uh, Linda Green, thank you so much for, for uh, tearing yourself away from the conference. What a pleasure. Nice, nice virtually meeting you. Fantastic. And soon we will meet in person. Yes. <laughs> And Jamal, thanks again for being a great co-host. And uh, uh, Pat, thanks for being a, a, a great guy, but a disagreeable. You were wrong on this point. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't like. It. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow. Next tomorrow. show. Tomorrow, yeah, just like the, uh, <laughs> Stephen F. Austin called. Hey, thank you, everybody. Um, God bless. Look forward to seeing you next or here, you know, whatever next week on another version, another edition of Bill Roden on Sports. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.